0: Chapter Two, Part Eight of Memoirs of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Memoirs of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds by Charles McKay, Volume Two, Chapter Two the witch mania part 8 at bamberg in bavaria the executions from the year 1610 to 1640 were at the rate of about a hundred annually one woman suspected of witchcraft was seized because having immoderately praised the beauty of a child it had shortly afterwards fallen ill and died she confessed upon the rack that the devil had given her the power to work evil upon those she hated by speaking words in their praise if she said with unwonted fervour what a strong man what a lovely woman what a sweet child the devil understood her and afflicted them with diseases immediately it is quite unnecessary to state the end of this poor creature many women were executed ...for causing strange substances to lodge in the bodies of those who offended them. Bits of wood, nails, hair, eggshells, bits of glass, shreds of linen and woollen cloth, pebbles and even hot cinders and knives... ...were the articles generally chosen. These were believed to remain in the body till the witches confessed or were executed, when they were voided from the bowels or by the mouth nostrils or ears modern physicians have often had cases of a similar description under their care where girls have swallowed needles which have been voided on the arms legs and other parts of the body but the science of that day could not account for these phenomena otherwise than by the power of the devil and every needle swallowed by a servant maid cost an old woman her life nay if no more than one suffered in consequence the district might think itself fortunate the commissioners seldom stopped short at one victim the revelations of the rack in most cases implicated half a score of all the records of the witch trials preserved for the wonder of succeeding ages that of Würzburg, from sixteen twenty seven to sixteen twenty nine is the most frightful who has preserved this list in his Acta et Scripta Magica, says in a note at the end that it is far from complete, and that there were a great many other burnings too numerous to specify. This record, which relates to the city only, and not to the province of Würzburg, contains the names of 157 persons who were burned in two years in 29 burnings, averaging from five to six at a time the list comprises three play actors four innkeepers three common councilmen of versburg fourteen vicars of the cathedral the burgomaster's lady an apothecary's wife and daughter two choristers of the cathedral gerbel babelin the prettiest girl in the town and the wife the two little sons and the daughter of the councillor stolzenberg rich and poor young and old suffered alike at the seventh of these recorded burnings the victims are described as a wandering boy twelve years of age and four strange men and women found sleeping in the market place thirty-two of the whole number appear to have been vagrants of both sexes who failing to give a satisfactory account of themselves, were accused and found guilty of witchcraft. The number of children on the list is horrible to think upon. The thirteenth and fourteenth burnings comprised four persons, who are stated to have been a little maiden nine years of age, a maiden still less her sister, their mother, and their aunt, a pretty young woman of twenty-four at the eighteenth burning the victims were two boys of twelve and a girl of fifteen at the nineteenth the young heir of the noble house of Rotenhan, aged nine and two other boys one aged ten and the other twelve among other entries appear the names of baunach the fattest and steinacher the richest burgher in versburg what tended to keep up the delusion in this unhappy city and indeed all over europe was the number of hypochondriac and diseased persons who came voluntarily forward and made confession of witchcraft several of the victims in the foregoing list had only themselves to blame for their fate many again including the apothecary's wife and daughter already mentioned pretended to sorcery and sold poisons or attempted by means of charms and incantations to raise the devil but throughout all this fearful period the delusion of the criminals was as great as that of the judges depraved persons who in ordinary times would have been thieves or murderers added the desire of sorcery to their depravity sometimes with the hope of acquiring power over their fellows and sometimes with the hope of securing impunity in this world by the protection of satan one of the persons executed at the first burning a prostitute was heard repeating the exorcism which was supposed to have the power of raising the arch enemy in the form of a goat this precious specimen of human folly has been preserved by horst in his Zauber bibliothek it ran as follows and was to be repeated slowly with many ceremonies and wavings of the hand lale Bakira magot bafia dajam vagoth Henesh ami nagas adomator raphael immanuel christus tetragrammaton agra jod loi conic conic the last two words were uttered quickly and with a sort of scream and were supposed to be highly agreeable to satan who loved to be called a king if he did not appear immediately it was necessary to repeat a further exorcism the one in greatest repute was as follows and was to be read backwards with the exception of the last two words anion lale sabalus sado peter aziel adonai sado vagoth agrajod bafra com when the witch wanted to get rid of the devil, who was sometimes in the habit of prolonging his visits to an unconscionable length, she had only to repeat the following, also backwards, when he generally disappeared, leaving behind him a suffocating smell. "'Zelia nel heoti bonos vagota, plisos soter osec, unicus bilzebub dax, com, com!' this nonsensical jargon soon became known to all the idle and foolish boys of germany many an unhappy urchin who in a youthful frolic had repeated it paid for his folly the penalty of his life three whose ages varied from ten to fifteen were burned alive at versburg for no other offence of course every other boy in the city became still more convinced of the power of the charm one boy confessed that he would willingly have sold himself to the devil if he could have raised him for a good dinner and cakes every day of his life and a pony to ride upon this luxurious youngster instead of being horsewhipped for his folly was hanged and burned the small district of lindheim was if possible even more notorious than versburg for the number of its witch burnings In the year 1633, a famous witch, named Pomp Anna, who could cause her foes to fall sick by merely looking at them, was discovered and burned, along with three of her companions. Every year in this parish, consisting at most of a thousand persons, the average number of executions was five. Between the years 1660 and 1664, the number consumed was thirty. If the executions all over Germany had been in this frightful proportion, hardly a family could have escaped losing one of its members. In 1627, a ballad entitled the Druten Zeitung, or the Witches' Gazette, was very popular in Germany. It detailed, according to the title page of a copy printed at Smallkald in 1627, quote, an account of the remarkable events which took place in Franconia, Bamberg, and Wurzburg, with those wretches who from avarice or ambition have sold themselves to the devil, and how they had their reward at last, set to music, and to be sung to the tune of Dorothea. End quote. The sufferings of the witches at the stake are explained in it with great minuteness, the poet waxing extremely witty when he describes the horrible contortions of pain upon their countenances and the shrieks that rent the air when any one of more than common guilt was burned alive. A trick resorted to in order to force one witch to confess is told in this doggerel as an excellent joke. As she obstinately refused to own that she was in league with the powers of evil the commissioners suggested that the hangman should dress himself in a bear's skin with the horns tail and all the et cetera's and in this form penetrate into her dungeon the woman in the darkness of her cell could not detect the imposture aided as it was by her own superstitious fears she thought she was actually in the presence of the prince of hell and when she was told to keep up her courage and that she should be relieved from the power of her enemies she fell on her knees before the supposed devil and swore to dedicate herself hereafter body and soul to his service germany is perhaps the only country in europe where the delusion was so great as to have made such detestable verses as these the favorites of the people schickt and ihr so er in Gefängnis nannte. den Mann hätt kleidet recht mit einer Bärenhaute als wenn's der Teufel wär als ihm die droht anschaute meint's ihr Buhl kam daher sie sprach zu so ihm behende wie läßt du mich so lang in die Obrigkeit hände hilf mir aus ihren Zwang wie du mir hast wir heisen ich bin ja eben dein du micht aus der angst entreisen o oh, liebster bulle mein Footnote. they sent a hangman's assistant down to her in her prison they clothed him properly in a bear's skin as if he were the devil him when the witch saw she thought he was her familiar she said to him quickly why hast thou left me so long in the magistrates hands help me out of their power as thou hast promised and i will be thine alone help me from this anguish o thou dearest devil or lover mine this rare poet adds that in making such an appeal to the hangman the witch never imagined the roast that was to be made of her and puts in by way of parenthesis was not that fine fun as feathers thrown into the air show how the wind blows so this trumpery ballad serves to show the current of popular feeling at the time of its composition all readers of history are familiar with the celebrated trial of the maréchal d'ancre who was executed in paris in the year sixteen seventeen although witchcraft was one of the accusations brought against her the real crime for which she suffered was her ascendancy over the mind of mary of Medici and the consequent influence she exercised indirectly over the unworthy king louis the thirteenth her coachman gave evidence that she had sacrificed a cock at midnight in one of the churches and others swore they had seen her go secretly into the house of a noted witch named isabella when asked by what means she had acquired so extraordinary an influence over the mind of the queen mother she replied boldly that she exercised no other power over her than that which a strong mind can always exercise over the weak she died with great firmness in two years afterwards Scenes far more horrible than any that had yet taken place in France were enacted at Labour, at the foot of the Pyrenees. The Parliament of Bordeaux, scandalized at the number of witches who were said to infest Labour and in its neighbourhood, deputed one of its own members, the noted Pierre de Lancre, and its president, Espagnel, to inquire into the matter with full powers to punish the offenders they arrived at la Bour in may sixteen nineteen de wrote a book setting forth all his great deeds in this battle against the powers of evil it is full of obscenity and absurdity but the facts may be relied on as far as they relate to the number of trials and executions and the strange confessions which torture forced from the unhappy criminals de states as a reason why so many witches were to be found at Labor, that the country was mountainous and sterile he discovered many of them from their partiality to smoking tobacco it may be inferred from this that he was of the opinion of king james that tobacco was the devil's weed when the commission first sat the number of persons brought to trial was about forty a day the acquittals did not average so many as five per cent all the witches confessed that they had been present at the great dom daniel or sabbath at these saturnalia the devil sat upon a large gilded throne sometimes in the form of a goat sometimes as a gentleman dressed all in black with boots spurs and sword and very often as a shapeless mass resembling the trunk of a blasted tree seen indistinctly amid the darkness they generally proceeded to the dom daniel riding on spits pitchforks or broomsticks and on their arrival indulged with the fiends in every species of debauchery upon one occasion they had had the audacity to celebrate this festival in the very heart of the city of bordeaux the throne of the arch fiend was placed in the middle of the place de Galien, and the whole space was covered with the multitude of witches and wizards who flocked to it from far and near some arriving even from distant scotland after two hundred poor wretches had been hanged and burned there seemed no diminution in the number of criminals to be tried many of the latter were asked upon the rack what satan had said when he found that the commissioners were proceeding with such severity the general reply was that he did not seem to care much about it some of them asserted that they had boldly reproached him for suffering the execution of their friends saying out upon thee false fiend thy promise was that they should not die look how thou hast kept thy word they have been burned and are a heap of ashes upon these occasions he was never offended he would give orders that the sports of the don daniel should cease and producing illusory fires that did not burn he encouraged them to walk through assuring them that the fires lighted by the executioner gave no more pain than those they would then ask him where their friends were since they had not suffered to which the father of lies invariably replied that they were happy in a far country and could see and hear all that was then passing and that if they called by name those they wished to converse with, they might hear their voices in reply. Satan then imitated the voices of the defunct witches so successfully that they were all deceived. Having answered all objections, the orgies recommenced and lasted till the cock crew. Delancre was also very zealous in the trial of unhappy monomaniacs for the crime of lycanthropy several who were arrested confessed without being tortured that they were werewolves and that at night they rushed out among the flocks and herds killing and devouring one young man at besançon with the full consciousness of the awful fate that awaited him voluntarily gave himself up to the commissioner espagnel and confessed that he was the servant of a strong fiend who was known by the name of lord of the forests by his power he was transformed into the likeness of a wolf the lord of the forest assumed the same shape but was much larger fiercer and stronger they prowled about the pastures together at midnight strangling the watchdogs that defended the folds and killing more sheep than they could devour he felt he said a fierce pleasure in these excursions and howled in excess of joy as he tore with his fangs the warm flesh of the sheep asunder this youth was not alone in this horrid confession many others voluntarily owned that they were werewolves and many more were forced by torture to make the same avowal such criminals were thought to be too atrocious to be hanged first and then burned they were generally sentenced to be burned alive and their ashes to be scattered to the winds. Grave and learned doctors of divinity openly sustained the possibility of these transformations, relying mainly upon the history of Nebuchadnezzar. They could not imagine why, if he had been an ox, modern men could not become wolves by divine permission and the power of the devil. They also contended that if men should confess, it was evidence enough, if there had been no other del rio mentions that one gentleman accused of lycanthropy was put to the torture no less than twenty times but still he would not confess an intoxicating draft was then given him and under its influence he confessed that he was a werewolf del rio cites this to show the extreme equity of the commissioners they never burned anybody till he confessed and if one course of torture would not suffice their patience was not exhausted and they tried him again and again even to the twentieth time well may we exclaim when such atrocities have been committed in the name of religion quel lion quel tigre égale un croûte une fereur me la pieté the trial of the unhappy urbain grandier the curate of loudun for bewitching a number of girls in the convent of the ursulines in that town was like that of the marechal d'ancre an accusation resorted to by his enemies to ruin one against whom no other charge could be brought so readily this noted affair which kept france in commotion for months and the true character of which was known even at that time merits no more than a passing notice in this place it did not spring from the epidemic dread of sorcery then so prevalent but was carried on by wretched intriguers who had sworn to have the life of their foe. Such a charge could not be refuted in 1634. The accused could not, as Bodinus expresses it, quote, make the malice of the prosecutors more clear than the sun, end quote. And his own denial, however intelligible, honest and straightforward, was held as nothing in refutation of the testimony of the crazy women who imagined themselves bewitched the more absurd and contradictory their assertions the stronger the argument employed by his enemies that the devil was in them he was burned alive under circumstances of great cruelty footnote a very graphic account of the execution of this unfortunate gentleman is to be found in the excellent romance of Monsieur alfred de Vignet, entitled Saint-Marc. But if the reader wishes for a full and accurate detail of all the circumstances of one of the most extraordinary trials upon record, he is referred to a work published anonymously at Amsterdam in 1693, entitled Histoire des Diables de Loudon, diable de ou de la possession des religioses ursulines, et de la condemnation et de supplice d'Orban Grandier. and footnote a singular instance of the epidemic fear of witchcraft occurred at lille in sixteen thirty nine a pious but not very sane lady named antoinette Bourguignon founded a school or hospice in that city one day on entering the schoolroom she imagined that she saw a great number of little black angels flying about the heads of the children in great alarm she told her pupils of what she had seen warning them to beware of the devil whose imps were hovering about them the foolish woman continued daily to repeat the same story and satan and his power became the only subject of conversation not only between the girls themselves but between them and their instructors one of them at this time ran away from the school on being brought back and interrogated she said she had not run away but had been carried away by the devil she was a witch and had been one since the age of seven some other little girls in the school went into fits at this announcement and on their recovery confessed that they also were witches at last the whole of them to the number of fifty worked upon each other's imaginations to such a degree that they also confessed that they were witches that they attended the dom daniel or meeting of the fiends that they could ride through the air on broomsticks feast on infants flesh or creep through a keyhole the citizens of lille were astounded at these disclosures the clergy hastened to investigate the matter many of them to their credit openly expressed their opinion that the whole affair was an imposture not so the majority they strenuously insisted that the confessions of the children were valid and that it was necessary to make an example by burning them all for witches the poor parents alarmed for their offspring implored the examining capuchins with tears in their eyes to save their young lives insisting that they were bewitched and not bewitching this opinion also gained ground in the town antoinette Boignon, who had put these absurd notions into the heads of the children was accused of witchcraft and examined before the council. The circumstances of the case seemed so unfavorable towards her that she would not stay for a second examination. Disguising herself as she best could, she hastened out of Lille and escaped pursuit. If she had remained four hours longer, she would have been burned by judicial sentence as a witch and a heretic. It is to be hoped that wherever she went, she learned the danger of tampering with youthful minds and was never again entrusted with the management of children the duke of brunswick and the elector of men's were struck with the great cruelty exercised in the torture of suspected persons and convinced at the same time that no righteous judge would consider a confession extorted by pain and contradictory in itself as sufficient evidence to justify the execution of any accused person It is related of the Duke of Brunswick that he invited two learned Jesuits to his house who were known to entertain strong opinions upon the subject of witchcraft, with a view of showing them the cruelty and absurdity of such practices. A woman lay in the dungeon of the city, accused of witchcraft, and the Duke, having given previous instructions to the officiating torturers, went with the two Jesuits to hear her confession by a series of artful leading questions the poor creature in the extremity of her anguish was induced to confess that she had often attended the sabbath of the fiends upon the brocken that she had seen two jesuits there who had made themselves notorious even among witches for their abominations that she had seen them assume the form of goats wolves and other animals and that many noted witches had borne them five six and seven children at a birth who had heads like toads and legs like spiders being asked if the jesuits were far from her she replied that they were in the room beside her the duke of brunswick led his astounded friends away and explained the stratagem this was convincing proof to both of them that thousands of persons had suffered unjustly they knew their own innocence and shuddered to think what their fate might have been if an enemy instead of a friend had put such a confession into the mouth of a criminal one of these jesuits was frederick spee the author of the cautio Criminalis*, published in sixteen thirty one this work exposing the horrors of the witch trials had a most salutary effect in germany Chambrun, archbishop and elector of Menz, abolished the torture entirely within his dominions and his example was imitated by the duke of brunswick and other potentates the number of supposed witches immediately diminished and the violence of the mania began to subside the elector of brandenburg issued a rescript in sixteen fifty four with respect to the case of anna of ellerbrock a supposed witch forbidding the use of torture, and stigmatizing the swimming of witches as an unjust, cruel, and deceitful test. This was the beginning of the dawn after the long protracted darkness. The tribunals no longer condemned witches to execution by hundreds in a year. Würzburg, the grand theater of the burnings, burned but one, where, forty years previously, it had burned threescore from 1660 to 1670 the electoral chambers in all parts of germany constantly commuted the sentence of death passed by the provincial tribunals into imprisonment for life or burning on the cheek a truer philosophy had gradually disabused the public mind learned men freed themselves from the trammels of a debasing superstition and governments both civil and ecclesiastical repressed the popular delusion they had so long encouraged. The Parliament of Normandy condemned a number of women to death in the year 1670 on the old charge of riding on broomsticks to the Dom Daniel, but Louis XIV commuted the sentence into banishment for life. The Parliament remonstrated and sent the King the following remarkable request. The reader will perhaps be glad to see this document at length. It is of importance as the last effort of a legislative assembly to uphold this great error and the arguments they used and the instances they quoted are in the highest degree curious it reflects honor upon the memory of louis the 14th that he was not swayed by it end of chapter 2 part 8 recording by linda johnson